the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets. I'm your host, The Finance Ghost. I am Mohammed Nala of MoKnows.com. Mo is one of the most respected macro analysts to come out of South Africa. He is now in Canada, so we get his global perspective layered on top of emerging markets expertise. Together, we will unpack the biggest trends and issues and scratch beneath the surface to bring you our insights and share our love and passion for markets and investments. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor. Welcome to Magic Markets. The opportunity to invest in Section 12J Venture Capital Funds ends at the end of June 2021, forever. Olive Venture Capital Company is a Sharia-focused and 12J compliant, diversified investment portfolio. Visit olivevcc.co.za to learn more. Olive is an authorized financial services provider. Welcome to episode 28 of Magic Markets, and it's another really interesting show this week. My co-host and I, Mohamed Nala, we love to bring you interesting types of investments and, and allow you to go and do your own research and, and see how you can invest your money and look to create some wealth along the way. And, and this week is no different. We're really excited to welcome Haroon from Olive Venture Capital Company. Uh, Haroon, welcome to the show. And Mo, as ever, welcome to you as well. Thanks, Ghost. It's great to have Arun on as a guest. I mean, Arun, uh, we kind of met because you are a, a long-time listener and fan of the show. We got chatting a little bit about uh, about Olive Venture Capital Company. And, uh, you know, I think it's, a, it's actually a great topic for us to delve into because quite often, you know, South Africans, investors in general, seem to think that venture capital is really just the, uh, the, the realm of the elite. It's not something that, you know, people find is accessible. And that's something that I think is, is uh, we need to challenge that. And I think with all of venture capital company, the kind of work that you guys are doing, I think it's actually very uh, very accessible for even the retail investor at the end of the day. And we're going to get into some of those nuts and bolts in the show. So I'm really excited to have you on, Harun. Welcome to Magic Markets. Evening. Uh, thank you, Mo. Thank you, Ghost. Uh, thank you for having me. Yes, uh, equally, uh, I'm excited to be on the show. Just picking up on what most uh, Mo has just said, our entry point is 105,000 rent per investor. To date, we've done 90 transactions and... On average, investors have invested around 300,000 rand and we've raised just over or just short of 30 million rand in the first year of operation. Arun, that's fantastic and, and congrats. Something I want to address with you right up front and then we can get into the cool stuff, which is the nuts and bolts of your portfolio and how you do this. So Section 12J, as I understand it, was basically a tax dispensation that the government brought in to encourage sort of grassroots level investing and it allows people to get a tax deduction on the amount that they invest in a fund of that nature. So obviously the higher your tax rate, the higher the deduction. So it's quite appealing to people who are in the higher tax brackets ultimately. Now there's a sunset clause on this as I understand, which means that money needs to flow into these structures basically this month, isn't it? After that uh, uh, 12J new funds don't really, don't really get the tax benefit, if I understand correctly? Uh, that's absolutely correct. Your money has to flow by the 30th of uh, June, 2021. We close our prospectus at 23 hours and 59 minutes just to make sure we give a, an opportunity to some people who always invariably make the decision on the, on the 13th hour. We found that uh, in February as well, where the closing date was a Sunday and we had quite a few investors that made the investment on, on the Sunday. But you're absolutely correct. 
that gets audited quite thoroughly by our auditors. We also is custodians of National Treasury in our role as a financial service provider. Need to make sure that those monies come in by before midnight uh, on, on the 30th of June. Unfortunately, um, subsequent to that, uh, there's no longer Section 12J. So people who want to get in on what? the action need to get in quickly. That's the, me- that's the message, yeah. Yes. Act fast or yeah. cry later. Yes, and, and maybe I think I'd like to you know, bring to the fore the advantage of Section 12J, as you correctly point out. Uh, there's a, if I may say, a guaranteed return to an investor. It could be as little as 18% if you're on the lower end of the tech scale. And it could be as much as 45% if uh, you're on the higher end of the tech scale. And if one had to do a simple little exercise and just take uh, your contribution made and take into account the upfront tax savings that you get from, um, from the tax man, and if you spread it over five years, and we'll discuss now why five years, uh, that gives you a guaranteed return on the upper end of 8% per annum. Now, just having a look this evening at some of the Sharia money market returns that we've been getting, and I can assure you they come in far less than uh, 8% after tax. You know, that's one, definitely one of the attractions of uh, Section 12J. I did speak about five years. Two reasons. Uh, on the one hand, if we return the money to our investors before five years, the very generous tax savings that our investors get is going to be recouped in their hands. Uh, if we return it after five years, yes, they will be taxed on that, but they'll be taxed in terms of capital gains tax, which is far uh, lower than what your income tax is. And when, when I did work out the 8% for you, I, I have taken into account capital gains tax. Otherwise, that would have been paid on that money. So just by virtue of investing in a 12J and without the 12J earning anything on those investments, there's a guaranteed 8% income. Of course, the Section 12J is not allowed to sit on that money for five years and return it to you. That's part of the rules and the onus is placed on us to make sure that within a period of three years, we have deployed that into different businesses. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, you've touched on some very important points, Arun. I mean, the, the, the 12J, and I, I almost want to segue away from, from the discussion around just the tax side now, because as Ghost said, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff that you guys are doing uh, at Olive Venture Capital Company, but the, the 12J essentially was structured to try and incentivize venture capitalists and capital flow effectively into the real economy. Now, quite often on the show, we chat a lot about listed investments. We don't spend as much time talking about the unlisted investment space. And that's really where I think a player like yourselves, like Olive Venture Capital Company comes into play. I mean, we've had a look at your prospectus. We see that, you know, you've got an investment mix and a process that that you discuss. And again, anyone who is actually interested can go through to your website. We'll provide the reference to that at the end of the show. But they can go through to your website to try and check out the entire prospectus, see what you're invested in. But some of the highlights, and I mean, these are sectors we've spoken about on magic markets. It's sectors that we are quite excited about just on a macro perspective as well, uh, are things like renewable energy, for example. Um, hospitality, which is something that we touched on in our, our show where we discussed, you know, a rebound economy and, and beach stocks where hospitality would fall into kind of, I guess, hotels. And maybe there's, there's some of that in the mix over there. Um, and I think you've earmarked those as kind of some of the sectors 
factors that you are looking at. Uh, can you maybe take us through, you know, just what is your ethos? How do you come up with these sectors in terms of where you're deciding to invest? There's clear criteria we look at. Ultimately, what we need to achieve is we, we try and uh, achieve a 17% after-tax return to our investor over a five-year period. We first look at a business with a strong brand value to uh, have predictable earnings from the business. Uh, we also look for track record and experience management team. I think that's important because we ourselves don't go out there and run those businesses. We look to pick up a strategic interest. Every business has got risk and return. For example, the return that uh, we would get out of an asset-based business on the hotel side will be lower than the return we would get out of an operating lease uh, through a filling station. And lastly, what's important, because this is private equity, in five years' time, we need to find mechanisms of returning the money is back to our investors. We look for these businesses to have identifiable exit strategies. We came up with uh, the renewable energy investment. We came up with filling stations. We came up with cattle feedlots. We came up with the hospitality industry and also what we call, broadly call, other opportunistic investments. Harun, perhaps I can put on my old corporate finance hat for a bit because uh, for my sins, I went into that for a few years. And I know from... Uh, you know, essentially, as you say, it's private equity. So there's, there's two things that investors would immediately want to know. And you've, you've touched on one there, which is the exit, because it's not so easy to sell a stake in a private company. So it sounds like, you you know, you've got mechanisms lined up up front that allow you to achieve that down the track, if I understand correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong there. And the other thing, I guess, is, is you know, your protections in the business. So as I understand it with these VCC funds, it's minority stakes. Uh, you don't actually control these assets that you buy into. So I guess from a risk management perspective, I would imagine that that's the kind of stuff you focus on is what sort of protections do you have as a minority shareholder and, and how do you guarantee that exit at the end of the period? No, that's absolutely correct. So in certain instances, we do, we do pick up more than a minority interest. So if I take the renewable energy investment, we... Uh, we invested in a uh, body corporate out on the East Rand, uh, and initially we started off with uh, 100% of the investment, but in terms of Section 12J, we're not allowed to own more than 69.9% of any one investment. And in the very first year, we, were, we, we needed to bring that investment down to 69.9%, so we were able to sell 31%, and we found that because the investment was sound, the uh, income returns made sense we were quite easily able to go out there and find an investor for the other 31%. Um, so down the road, we like to believe that um, uh, we'll be able to sell an income stream to, to parties at that point in time where our income streams uh, will grow over time with, uh, with our contractual increases. And or as an alternative, we also believe that, you know, uh, the body corporates locked into quite a long agreement with, uh, with ourselves, uh, 10 years on the solars, 20 years on uh, the battery that we provide. And at some point in time, we'll be able to demonstrate to, uh, to residents of the body corporate that uh, they, they could buy into the company as opposed to having a third party like ourselves you know, financing and then getting a return. So there are various, uh, there are various exit strategies 
I'm just taking that business into account. If I take uh, filling stations, we found it extremely difficult to buy a filling station for two reasons. Uh, one, filling stations at this point in time are still being priced in terms of what uh, businesses achieved in 2019, and we're very careful not to over overpay for any asset that we buy. So it's been it's taken us quite a while to go out and find a filling station that's priced correctly in terms of 2021. Also, there's a lot of money that chases filling stations because of the cash flow that comes out every month. And similarly, I think we like to believe that down the road, when we need to exit, we'll be able to do quite easily. If I take um, another asset class, cattle feedlots, that has got a natural way in which it terminates. So an appointed farmer would buy a wiener for us and then that would get backgrounded and that would go through a feedlot and at some point in time, it goes through to an abattoir. All of that takes four to five months. But at the end of each cycle, we then land up with uh, having the cash either to reinvest in the same business or to look into other more lucrative business areas for us to go and uh, invest monies coming out. And Harun, where do you think VCCs get it wrong? Uh, you know, I always like to talk about risk, and I think that's something we always do on Magic Markets. We did it on the Crypto Arbitrage Show. We, we all understand the, you know, when it goes well, it goes well. Where does it go wrong for VCCs? Where, you know, if you were to identify a major issue that happens in the market? I like to believe uh, VCCs don't have conflict of interest. And I think it's very easy for VCCs to have conflict of interest. So we're fortunate in that we're not vested in any of the businesses that we bring into the VCC. And... Uh, so, you know, that's the first bit. The second bit is sometimes VCCs get it wrong because you're under pressure to uh, deliver a dividend. And in wanting to deliver a dividend, you sometimes go for the first investment available. You need to be brave. You need to take the sacrifice in the, in the initial period, rather earn a, a lower return for your shareholder and, uh, and buy him into an investment that uh, that has got legs and that will be able to uh, deliver for him. And thirdly, what we also do is we, we align ourselves with the best interests of the investor. So for, as an example, what we would do is our fees are 2% uh, annual management fee and uh, we drop that to a quarter percent if we haven't made any investment. Th that way the cash track that happens in our portfolio uh, is felt by us equally as much as it's felt by the investor. We, we're then able to, um, to protect the investor in that regard. Um, in terms of the exit strategy, as in private equity, uh, we've dropped our performance fee from 20% to 15%, but we've based it on gross capital. It's only an amount returned to the investor over and above his gross investment is where we'll partake. Uh, in the upside at the rate of 15%. So uh, by aligning our interests with the interests of the investor and by making sure that we don't place ourselves under pressure in terms of, of hurrying into investments and not having a conflict of interest, I think uh, those are some of the mechanisms, mechanisms that we've used not to make these mistakes. Of course, um, it is unlisted and Whilst we are a public company, it, uh, we make sure we follow good co uh, corporate governance. And in that regard, we've got a mix of executive and non-executive directors such that no investment can take place without 
the board properly considering it. Yeah, I think, I mean, Harun, I think you've touched on a number of key and critical points. I mean, the whole corporate governance oversight, the fact that, you know, you are a financial services provider, you are covered by some regulations. Those are all very strong, compelling components in terms of people that are maybe unaware of how private equity and, and, and venture capital work. Uh, you know, the, the, the liquidity tie-ins, for example, over a five-year time horizon, which you kind of discussed, uh, not only serve to, to, to deliver, I guess, the, the tax benefit that we discussed right up front in terms of the 12J, but also, I, help, uh, I guess, helps tie the investor to the longer-term investment thesis, uh, ethos, which is really what I think you're trying to impart here. I mean, if you're looking at a lot of the opportunities that you're discussing, a lot of the sectors that you're discussing, they're high-potential sectors, they're high-potential opportunities, but they're also potentially opportunities that will take some time to uh, to drop down to the bottom line. And I think, as you correctly said, you know, what I certainly like is it's not this, this, this very... Uh, call it unipolar focus on delivering dividends and cash flow to your investors rather than looking at the holistic return, I think, over a period of time. So it's the cash flows as well as the growth in the businesses that you're looking at over, over a longer period of time. Uh, one last point, I guess, or question from, from my perspective is that, you know, a lot of these things do hinge on assumptions. They're, they're hinging on assumptions in terms of the tax benefit that you're getting, in terms of assumptions, in terms of what your, your exit strategy may be. Um, in terms of that, what, what would you say would be your strategy in and around the fact that sometimes investors, as they go through the investment life cycle, they go in thinking they're long-term investors, and then they start to question that, let's say a year or two into that, they have what, what I like to call a liquidity crisis. What would your response be in that sort of situation? We always inform investors that uh, they are locked in, even though they're able to uh, go out and sell their shares, there's no restrictions. Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to find an investor out there that's going to buy an unlisted investment from you. You've got to come in with the mindset that upfront, up to 45% of your money is going to be recovered upfront in terms of the of the tax uh, savings stroke uh, refund and you then need to have the patience to to make sure that the dividend and the exit is then going to uh, is then going to produce for you um, you know th that would be the disadvantage compared to a unit trust or compared to investing in the market but then it uh, when compared to a typical pension fund investment like a retirement annuity or a, or even your provident pension fund, there are advantages because you don't need to wait it out till you fifty five years and beyond uh, to then only start getting a part of your monies back. So uh, the disadvantage is the five year, but with the five year comes the growth, and with the five year comes the guaranteed. Um, a tax incentive. Arun, perhaps I can then just recap on a couple of things as we're you know, coming up to the end of our time together. And it's been a really interesting chat with you. So, you know, for our listeners, it's a minimum investment of 105,000 Rand, but you'll get back a chunk of that in your tax basically straight away. Well, in the next, you know, next time you do your tax return. Uh, the money's locked up for five years. And, and, and really, when you're making equity investments, you need a long-term horizon anyway. But the key difference here is if it's a JSC share, you can sell it. Here, you are locked in for five years. So make sure you're only doing this if you are happy with that from a liquidity perspective. Uh, your targeted return is a 17% 
IRR, of which around half of that is the tax benefit and, and the other half is the assets, uh, which is interesting actually because it almost seems slightly conservative on the asset side. And you, and you strike me as a guy who, you know, who's not afraid to talk about the risks and to be a little bit conservative. Um, and, and, and maybe there's more, more upside to that, I suppose. There's always the risk of downsides, so that's why it's a targeted return. And, and people will need to do their own due diligence there, I guess. And, and the other point that's important in your world is it is Sharia compliant. Now, as I understand mm. it, that would not preclude you know, someone like me, Sharia compliance is not important to me. I could invest. Uh, but what it also means is that Mo could invest. So, you know, <laughs> if I understand correctly, it's, it's, it's money can come from anywhere, but it is also Sharia compliant. Correct. So, uh, look, uh, whilst you're saying there's 9% coming from the underlying business, do remember the 9% is an after-tax return. So we have to earn somewhere in the order of about 15, 16% in order to deliver 9% because in, deliver, in delivering an average return of 9%, we will have paid our 28% in income tax, we would have paid our 20% in withholding tax, there's obviously the 2% uh, asset manager fee and there's, depending on how big our capital base grows to, there's also the fund cost. But we try and manage that very, very carefully. From a Sharia point of view, it's, not, it's open to any investor. And co coincidentally, um, a lot of what Section 12J prohibits uh, aligns with what uh, Sharia otherwise uh, prohibits. Other than maybe from a um, uh, from an interest point of view, in terms of conventional interest transactions, we wouldn't uh, we would not get into any conventional interest transactions, and uh, also if there's any sale of food, we would make sure that that is uh, halal. But uh, all the other sin businesses prohibited in Sharia is also prohibited in terms of Section 12J. So there's a there's a nice alignment that happens between 12J and Sharia investing. You know, I, unfortunately, we're, we're out of time. I mean, we, we've just literally scraped, I think, the surface of, of, of all of the depth of things that we could really go into here. And, you know, if investors want to know a lot more, I mean, we've talked about just your prospectus, your minimum investments. We've spoken about, you know, the kind of sectors you're looking for exposure to, the targeted returns. Uh, if investors want the full detail, how can they reach out to yourselves? Can you maybe just give us a quick rundown, you know, maybe point us to your website. Are you on social media where people can connect with you uh, so that, you know, they can then get a lot more detail out of, uh, out of a, a detailed discussion with yourself? They can contact us uh, through our website, which is www.olivevcc.co.za. We're also on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And um, I, I think uh, for us, the, the website and Facebook works best. Um, when they go through to our website, not only will they find all the, uh, all, all the information we discussed tonight together with some nifty illustrations uh, in terms of what each of the businesses are likely to uh, forecast to return, how the tax uh, calculation works, etc. But there is a there is a screen where they contact us and then we'll, we'll do the rest. We'll get in touch with them, we'll send them presentations, we'll send them um, the prospectus, we'll send them uh, uh, the mandate and application form and everything else. Yeah, we, we look forward to engaging with prospective investors through our website and through Facebook. Thanks, Arun. And just to, re just to remind our listeners, there's only 30 days to do it. So if this is something that appeals... Go and do your due diligence. Go check out the site. Speak to Haroon and the team. 
but you've only got 30 days. So if this is something interesting, don't sit on your hands. I think that's the, that's the critical message here. And Mo, I agree. We're, we're out of time for this week. So I'll wrap it up by saying thank you very much, Haroon, for your time. Uh, this was really interesting, very interesting alternative asset class uh, that doesn't get talked about much. Um, and we really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys, Harun. Thanks for being on the show. And hopefully we can bring you back uh, in future to discuss, you know, how Olive is doing uh, and unpack, uh, you know, some of those investments that you are in in a little bit more detail once you run the course. Thank you. And um, uh, all the best uh, to the ghost with his new venture, which I read uh, read about this morning. And also I, ca- I can tell the, the listeners that uh, Mo does sit in his car and have a chat with us. <laughs> See, it's, it's legit. True. Everything here it's is legit. legit. Yeah, I'm just legit. not actually a purple yeah. ghost. That's the only thing that's maybe not 100% legit. But Mo does sit in his car. Mo does sit in his car. <laughs> Thank you so okay. very much. And to our listeners, as always, please go rate the podcast, share it with your friends. And if you're interested in this, check out olivevcc.co.za. Thank you. The opportunity to invest in Section 12J Venture Capital Funds ends at the end of June 2021 forever. Olive Venture Capital Company is a Sharia-focused and 12J-compliant diversified investment portfolio. Visit olivevcc.co.za to learn more. Olive is an authorized financial services provider. Remember to visit thefinanceghost.com and monos.com for more detailed insights. This podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Please consult your personal financial advisor.